I'm a big believer in internal family systems. This is this idea that we have these parts of mm-hmm. us that are, have been formed at different stages of our lives. And sometimes they try to drive the bus, if you will. Really, your core self, your authentic self should be driving the bus. A lot of times our nine-year-old selves are trying to drive the bus. This is Finding the Throughline, the show that gives you inside access to honest conversations about the creative process. I'm Kate Hanley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Finding the Throughline, conversations about the creative process, where today's guest is author, speaker, writer, Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggets. As a refresher, Tracy released two award-winning books in 2023. They are Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration, which won the 2023 NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Literary Work. And then they came for mine, Healing from the Trauma of Racial Violence, which won the 2023 Wilbur Award. Today, I am picking Tracy's brain about what happens inside that beautiful noggin of hers as she's doing her work. Tracy, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So I'm curious, you know, does creating work and then sharing that work with the world come easily to you? Hmm. Creating the work, I think, I don't know if easily is the word, but I'm compelled to do that. I can't imagine my life without creating. Like I said, I've been doing it since I was little. Writing stories, writing songs, writing plays. It was a way for me to put certain trauma and pain to put it someplace. So being able to put it on the page or in some other character's mouth was healing for me. It was a way for, it was a, so I don't know, it might be healing now. Back then it was a way to survive, Mm -hmm. the survival uh, technique. So I would definitely say that I feel compelled to be creative. Now, sharing it with the world (laughs) is an entirely different thing. It's different for me. If you had asked me that question even four years ago, the answer would probably be different because the audience is much smaller, right? So before Black Joy really, you know, I was writing, but I, I my platform wasn't the size that it is now. So putting myself out in the world, it still felt like I was the artist and, you know, I was trying to reach people, right? Like there was an active attempt to share it with, you know, with as many people as possible. And so in that case, I think it was really easy for me to put myself out there. Black Joy is a very personal book mm-hmm. with a lot of personal stories. That went way beyond just those who read my blog or my social media. Went way beyond just the circle of writers and friends that I had. And that was the first time I think, you know, felt the twinge of, oh my God, you know. (laughs) And also because I knew some of the stories that I was telling would impact family members and people around me. I think that was, again, the first time I had the hesitation about putting my work out into the world. Mm-hmm. And also the world is very different today than it was 10 years ago, right? So 
the, yes. the, the way people don't always understand nuance and complexity and and they make judgments and and all of that the world is just very different everyone has an opinion and mm-hmm. so i think that was a bit of a concern but the idea of putting my work out into the world has never been such a big deal mm-hmm. because i've always understood that i wanted people to read my work mm-hmm. and i've always wanted good, bad, and ugly wanted to be seen. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of this thing that we do, right? That if you get to a certain platform, a certain point, more people are going to see you and therefore more people will be commenting on your work. Yeah. You know, I think that yearning for an audience is such an important instinct. It's not like a flashy, look at me, pay attention to me necessarily. When I'm working as a ghostwriter, I tell people, you know, you don't write a book to get it written. You write a book for it to be read. Mm-hmm. And hopefully for it to to move people in some way, to touch them in some way. And I, I think that that impulse for an audience is that like impulse to help and to connect. And I think it's very human and I think it's very powerful. And I think it can get you through that moment, those moments where you're like, Oh Lord! Everybody's going to read this. <laughs> Absolutely, it definitely gets you though through those moments because as many, as much as I may have worried about what someone may have thought about my story, I've also been very grateful that there will be people to read my story mm-hmm. because I know that I am not all that uncommon in the things that I've seen and endured. As a black mm-hmm. woman, as a woman, as a human being. And because of that, I know that as much as there may be somebody who will critique and say why, and that is as much as there are someone who may say, Oh my God, I'm not alone. Oh my God, I didn't know anybody thought like that. Oh my God, I didn't know that someone else experienced that. And for me, that makes the, the former worth it. Yeah. Now, sometimes those critiques are preemptive and coming from inside the house. You know, they're like, (laughs) it's your own inner critic chiming in, either when you're about to do the work or you're actually doing it or you've done it and you thought you felt good about it. And then you have a moment of like, oh, Lord, what kinds of things I'm curious. And I find it very healing to like uh, speak these things out loud because then you can see them. Right. What? What's been revealed can be healed, but also it's also really helpful, I think, for people to hear just how similar a lot of these voices can be. What kinds of things does it tell you? Who do you think you are? Nobody cares. Or that you're too common. This is not like, why would anybody pay attention to this story you're trying to tell? You're not enough is a big one. Mm -hmm. You're not good enough. You don't write well enough. I'm a big believer in internal family systems. This this idea that we have these parts of mm-hmm. us that are, have been formed at different stages of our lives. And sometimes they try to drive the bus, if you will. Really, your core self, your authentic self should be driving the bus. A lot of times our nine-year-old selves are trying to drive the bus because the nine-year-old you know, believes that you're not enough. And so they're the one that's kind of telling you you're not enough. 
And so I have a lot of those folks on my bus. (laughs) And I have spent a lot of time having to tell them to have a whole seat. (laughs) Like, chill out. I got this. I got us. I appreciate your service. I know you're trying to keep me safe. I know you're trying, you're scared and you think, whoa, you're going too far. You're doing too much. People are not going to accept you. People are not going to love you because those that is what that particular experience of maybe nine-year-old or 12-year-old or 15-year-old Tracy had. And so that's all you know, but 48-year-old Tracy knows something different. And so I'm going to drive this thing and sit back, relax. Your season for driving my life is over. And so those are the conversations that I have to have with myself daily (laughs) when those voices start stepping in and creating anxiety in my body and creating feelings of inadequacy and security, especially around my work. I mean, I think this applies with every area of my life, but around my work, there is a sensitivity that I have. And even like in ghostwriting, right? Like, why did that person not want to work with me? I'm not understanding the way the business works and people have connect with different writers for different reasons and it's not personal, but there's a part of me that says it's personal. There's something about you that's bad. And that's the reason why that grand person didn't want to work with you. And so I've had to, again, tell that part of me to have several seats. <laughs> Anyone you want, except this one that's driving. You know? <laughs> so those are just probably a few of the voices that I hear regularly. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those with us. I hear you about how it comes up at different times. I was sharing before we started recording that I heard this morning that I didn't get a project that I was up for, that I was I was excited about it. And an agent that I have worked with in the past shared with me once that I'll now share with you and anybody who's listening that helps me in those moments is rejection is God's protection. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I just wrote something about that online. Rejection is God's protection And sometimes it's God's redirection. You know, sometimes we just don't realize the direction we're supposed to be going in until we have those no's that kind of forces us to look over here to the right because the left is kind of shut down for now, right? Or move to the left because the right is shut down right now. So I think it's protection, it's redirection, it's correction, It's all those things. And it's hard to be grateful for it in the moment. (laughs) But in hindsight, we can always look back and say, ah, that's why I didn't need to be on that project. I probably should have worked on that screenplay instead of that novel because where I needed to be in that moment was here and not there. So. Tracy, you mentioned a little bit earlier in this section of questions that you're 48. And I'm curious to know, how do you feel your age impacts the work you do and and more broadly, like what you think is possible for you? Hmm. I think two ways. One, there's a part of me that is, as I think most people have when they begin to a certain age, 
is if I only knew then what I know now, right? Which means that if 20 years ago when I wrote that first poetry collection and I was putting it together and I was independently publishing it, if I only knew what I know now back then, what would my trajectory have been, right? So I think there is a kind of desire, I think, to go back and get young Tracy and and tell her everything so that our lives might not have had the ups and downs that, that it has had, especially in this business. But I think what my age does give me is, and this maybe is cliche to say, but it does give me a little bit of wisdom. It also gives me a, um, (laughs) I don't know if I can say this, but but. (laughs) you can say it. (laughs) But this sense of having zero Fs to give, (laughs) you know, because I think once you get to a certain age and you realize that you've had an up and you've had a down and you've seen the worst and you've seen the best, you kind of free yourself to do what you want to do. And without really caring about what people think about it, which is hard because we're in a business as writers where we kind of have to care what people think because they're going to be the ones that go out and buy it or (laughs) buy into it or give us the contract or whatever. But I still think that at a certain age, some of the things that might have held me back 20 years ago from approaching a project or doing a project or attempting something doesn't hold me back now. It's like if I have the capacity to do it and I have the desire and the passion to do it, then I I don't feel any kind of way about doing it. I don't care whether or not somebody thinks I should do it or that I can't do it. And so that's kind of freeing, you know, I think to be at a place where, and you know what, I think now that I think about it, that zero S to give mentality comes because I've acquired 20 years of skill sets. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. you know? So, I, you know, everything is connected. So I, I don't think you can have zero F's to give if you don't, you haven't studied your craft. <laughs> you haven't done, you can't have that attitude of, I'm not going to listen. I don't, you know, to people who are trying to tell me, you know, how or why, if you haven't taken the time to learn the business yourself or learn, study your craft or practice your craft, I think that having that attitude comes with a certain, I've done a lot. (laughs) And so I kind of know what I want to do, what I can do, what my limitations are, what my capacities are. And so I make decisions accordingly. And so therefore I don't need as much outside input as I may have needed 20 years ago. Does that make sense? I feel like. A hundred percent. It's not just that you're older. And so there's something about the aging process that just like unburdens you of your F's to give. (laughs) But it's like you've built up the experience, the competence, the confidence that takes time to acquire. And then, but the payoff is a whole lot more possibilities and a whole lot less fretting about stuff that doesn't really, isn't going to really help you in the first place. It also sounds like you're saying you got to learn the rules in order to break them. Am I getting that right? Uh, yes. <laughs> and it's funny because I used to I used to do this exercise with my students in the classroom, 
or not an exercise, but give them an example of like, how many of you, if I walked you into a garage and had a car there, but the car was all in pieces, could put it back together. And unless there was a mechanic that happened to be in the class, you know, yeah. one of them would say no. Right. I was mm-hmm. like, so you're not going to go to your garage tomorrow and take your car apart unless you really understand how to do that. And so we learn the rules, we learn where things go, we learn the placement, we learn where the comma and where the period and what's the most effective way to convey an idea on the page. And we've learned those things. And once we've got the rules down, right, then we tend to make the decision to tear some stuff apart, deconstruct, do something new and innovative. But it's only after we understand how it's put together. So I use that example all the time. I'm not going to break nothing I don't know the inner workings of. Right. Yes. Amen. Well, thanks for sharing some of your inner workings with us. I'm looking forward to hearing more about what you have coming up next. And that is going to be in our final installment of Tracy's interview, which is coming out on Friday. And I'm going to ask her my fast five questions so that you can get some personal recommendations for things that she is just loving. Finding the Through Line airs one interview per week, broken up into three episodes that come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for free. Skip the ads and get each interview in one longer episode by becoming a paid subscriber at katehanley.substack.com. Even if you aren't ready to get out your wallet just yet, become a free subscriber at katehanley.substack.com and receive the full show notes with links to everything my guests and I cover. However you listen, thank you. Finding the Throughline is edited by Sound Advice Strategies. Connect with me on Instagram at KateHanleyAuthor. Here's a little preview of what's to come in part three of this interview. I'm totally into Black Cake. That's a television show on Hulu based off the book Black Cake, which has been, I read the book a while ago and watching the show, I'm totally invested, totally in. I'm Kate Hanley, and this is Finding the Throughline. More to come on Friday.